If I were to describe how the average Catholic looks at the world today, I'd describe it like this. Broad and wide is the way that leads to heaven, and everybody's going that way. And narrow is the door that leads to hell, and hardly anybody's going that way. But you know what? That's just the opposite of what Jesus himself tells us the situation is. Broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many are traveling that way. And narrow is the door that leads to life, and few there are who are finding it. Now, Jesus didn't say this because this is how it has to be. People who are on the Broadway don't have to stay on the Broadway, and that's where we come in. That's where our prayer, that's where our love, that's where our intercession, that's where our witness comes in. We need to really invite people to leave the path that's leading to destruction and find the person of Jesus Christ who can lead them to true life here on this earth and eternal life. Hey, welcome to another week of The Choices We Face. We're really happy today to have with us Father John Ricardo, who's pastor of Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish in Plymouth, Michigan. And uh, I live in the Diocese of Lansing. Father John lives in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and he's right on the border. So we're, we're kind of border towns, you know, between two dioceses. Father John, it's just great to have you again. Honored to be back. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah, and I know you have something on your mind and heart that you really feel like would be really helpful for people to hear about grieving, but still with hope. Yeah, I do. You know, it comes from that passage where Paul says in Thessalonians, one of his letters, where he says, uh, we would have you be clear, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, lest you grieve like those who have no hope. So I think, so I've been ordained 17 years now. And uh, I think from the first moment that I used or saw that passage uh, at a funeral that I presided at, it just jumped out at me. So Paul's not saying, hey, you know what, stop grieving. Yeah. That would be insane, right? Um, he's trying to teach us, or rather the Lord's trying to teach us through Paul, how to grieve with hope. Yeah. Well, what a timely topic. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly dealing with grief, not only the people that I'm caring for, but in my own life uh, as a man who's lost loved ones. So I had an experience not too long ago that, has just so changed how I uh, understand the communion that we share with those who've gone before us. Well, you know, I think there's just, I mean, who wouldn't be interested in hearing about that? So let, let's hear about it. So it's an odd experience. So this is, this is how it happens. So it's a Saturday night, it's after mass. So I'd come home, uh, happened to be one of those nights where I had nothing going on, which was, you know, kind of rare. It was great. I loved it. Made a bowl of pasta, went downstairs, turned on the TV. I'm watching a college football game. And uh, it's a, it's actually, not the game hasn't even started yet, but it's a night game and the stadium doesn't matter where it was. Everybody's dressed in white. About 95,000 people in the stands. And this particular university is known for having um, what they call a drill team. They don't have cheerleaders, they have a drill team that just whips the crowd up into a frenzy. So, you know, here's all these people in white and the stadium is so loud. It's a two-tiered stadium, it's actually bouncing. So I'm not praying, I'm just watching this football game. And as I'm sitting there, I hear the Lord say, that's heaven. And I said, what? <laughs> I'm just watching a football game, Lord, you know? Yeah. He says, that's heaven. And I immediately think of Hebrews 12, which has always been a passage that's been inspiring to me, you know, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's strive to take hold of, uh, you know, all that the Lord has done for us. So, um, the Lord's just been teaching me, this has been happening for a series of months, maybe even a couple of years now, but He's helped me to really understand, and I think this is so helpful for us who are dealing with, you know, my mom's passed away, or, 
or a child died or my best friend's gone. Like, where are they? Mm -hmm. I mean, do they see us? Can we, can we talk to them? Do they, what, what are they doing right now? So Paul uses, or whoever the author of the letter of the Hebrews, uses this image of a stadium, which is what I felt like the Lord gave me uh, as I'm watching this game, or just trying to, to unpack it further for me, that, okay, so all those who've gone before us, certainly all the saints, they're not just sitting up there in heaven going, man, I am so glad I do not live in 21st century America. <laughs> because nobody goes to a football game to watch the game. They go there to change the game. They go there to change the outcome. That's what enables, you know, in this case, 22 people running up and down on a piece of grass or artificial turf to do things which in their backyard they could never do on their own. Because all of a sudden having tens of thousands of people cheering for you inspires you and ennobles you. And so the saints who've gone before us in heaven, they're not just watching us. You know, Revelation talks about how they're praying for us. You know, they're crying out from beneath the altar on our behalf. So fast forward a couple months after this scene, I, I'm, I'm at a, a wake for um, a good friend of mine's mom. This guy's dad had passed away maybe 20 years before. There were 12, 14 children that they had. A couple of them had passed away. So I'm sitting there leading the rosary at the wake, and there's this beautiful picture of the mother who had passed away. And we're just praying the rosary. And as I'm praying the rosary with them, all of a sudden I see the stadium again. And I see the, the woman, she's walking down the concourse. You know, so it's this massive complex. And she's walking out. She can't find a seat. There's, there's no seats in the stadium. There's one seat. It's on the end of an aisle. And so she taps this one guy on the shoulder. He turns around. It's her husband. And there's this huge embrace, you know, and this euphoric expression on both their faces. And she sits down, and they turn their attention to the field, and there's their children on the field, all those who are still alive here. And she just turns and looks at him and says, now let's pray them home. Isn't that great? Isn't that, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful vision. Yeah, well, and I don't think it's fanciful. You know, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. sure, it's the way the Lord speaks to me in different ways and whatnot, but it's, it's so scriptural. I mean, it's, it, at least with regards to the saints, that's yeah. what they're doing for us. And I think that's helpful to, to just keep in mind. I mean, people ask all the time, like, where, where are my loved ones right now? What are they doing? So yeah. my encouragement to them is always, you know, until they make it abundantly clear that they're, they're home, they're in heaven, you pray for them. Mm -hmm. So if I die, please don't presume I'm in heaven. Right. You know, presume I'm in purgatory. Right. Pray me home. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't want to give the impression that everybody who dies is just instantly in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. It is to say that there's a real communion that we share. And for those who've already gone before us who are home, who are in the stands, they're praying for us, inspiring us, to live great lives. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I, I need that. I need that exhortation, that inspiration. And those who've gone before us who are not yet home, um, we're praying for them to get into the stands. Yeah. It, so the, the simple point is our friendship never ends. Yeah. Well, Father John, this is, this is so consonant with what the saints themselves say. Like uh, St. Therese says, She's not going to heaven to goof off. You know, she wants to spend 
her time in heaven doing good on earth, you know. And then there's these amazing insights that Catherine of Siena received from the Lord way back in the 14th century where she couldn't read or write, so she asked Jesus to tell her about stuff, you know. So Jesus kind of told her about stuff. And one of the things he told her about heaven is that you actually know the people that you knew on earth in heaven and those that you really followed the Lord together with and helped praise the glory of the Lord, uh, your relationship's even, even closer in heaven because all the impediments to the perfect communion of love is remo are removed. And then also that the saints in heaven, and everybody who's in heaven is a saint, right? Indeed. Not, not canonized. Whether they have a feast day or not. Yeah, right, 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 right. Everybody was, you have to be detached from all evil and fully, fully desiring God, right. you know? And so it says that the, those in heaven haven't forgotten the people they knew on earth and are really interceding for them. And then the Lord tells Catherine, and I'm going to do everything I can to answer these, these prayers, provided only that they don't reject my mercy. Hmm. So the, the need to respond to the offer of mercy, hmm. the need to say yes to the forgiveness that Jesus is offering, but the powerful prayer that's going on by those who have already gone ahead and are with the Lord, it's very inspiring what, what the Lord told Catherine, it's, and it's just identical to, to what you're saying here today. Hey, let's take a little break. We're going to hear a little bit about our seminary. Oh, fantastic know, our, seminary. Our, our Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, and then we're going to come back and continue the conversation. Great. Okay. A genuine engagement with the new evangelization begins with the priest's heart, the deacon's heart, the lay ecclesial minister's heart, formed in contemplation, which then leads outward toward pastoral charity, drawing all people to the heart of Christ. At Sacred Heart, uh, we have an outstanding faculty. Four of our faculty members, in fact, have served on pontifical councils. The, the Catholic life isn't supposed to be sort of a, a putting in your time in church on Sunday. It's supposed to be a life of living union with the Lord out of which mission and holiness really unfolds. It goes beyond, you know, getting out of the comfort zone, you know, getting out of our confines and really getting to the people wherever they are. If a bishop were considering sending a priest to this SDL program, two things I'd want him to know. One, that I take a, a very strong personal interest in the program and I monitor it carefully and I'm confident that it's a solid program. In two, that if uh, a priest is coming into this diocese to live, he would be welcome and not just given an opportunity for study, but a chance to live a solid priestly life in this Christian community. When I walk these halls, I see future evangelists. And our goal here is to form and shape these strong hearts that won't wilt under the midday sun of ministry but that will rejoice through the suffering, will rejoice through the sacrifice, and bring anew, bring afresh, this eternal message of the Word of God. Hey, welcome back. We're talking to Father John Ricardo, who's a, a, a good friend in the Lord and the pastor of Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish in Plymouth, Michigan. And Father John's been sharing some really wonderful things with us about insights the Lord's given to him about how we really are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I was thinking, Father John, that like right now, 
we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And right now, everybody who's watching or listening is surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And right now, that cloud of witnesses is praying us all home and, and, right. and, and rooting for us and cheering for us. And it's so great to be aware of that, that we're not alone. The Lord hasn't left us orphans, not only because he's given us his Holy Spirit and he's personally with us, but he's, he's with us with a crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really important, I think, to, you know, to make clear what, we're, what, what at least I'm talking about. I mean, I have a choice to make. You know, you have a choice to make. Every one of us who's listening has a choice to make. Um, I, I am responsible for how I'm going to respond to the offer of salvation that God has offered to me in Jesus. But there's something like it. So by all means, that's true. Mm -hmm. But there's something like a divine conspiracy to erode my resistance. Yeah to making the wrong choice. Right. So I have to make a choice right. and I got to own it by yeah. all means. But thanks be to God, the communion of saints. I mean, so if the great commandment is to love God and to love neighbor, well, those who've gone before us, those who are in the stadium, huh, those who are the great cloud of witnesses praying for us, they're loving God in heaven and they're loving their neighbor. That doesn't just include those who are home in heaven. I'm their neighbor. That means I've got a cloud of witnesses eagerly, longingly praying for me on a daily perennial basis, yeah. like, John, make the right choice. Right. It's probably a customized, personalized cloud, too. I mean, it's, it's people who particularly know us and love us, plus others that we don't know that have adopted us. Yeah, I mean, the Lord himself says, you know, that my guardian angel beholds my father's face. Yeah. You know, so someone, at least one person anyway, my guardian angel, is devotedly praying for me, you know, working on my behalf. Now, again, I have to choose to respond to that, but I find it so encouraging to know that. that that's one of the points I think is real important that, we, we, that I clarify. But the other part that I think is really, it's so, um, this is our everyday experience with people who we love. We ask, we often say, uh, well, you know, whoever it is that I've, I've lost, they're always in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Well, I get that. But there's so much more than just in your thoughts. I mean, they are somewhere. They really are somewhere. That's right. And so, I mean, either, either they're home with the Lord, they're on their way home with the Lord, or heaven forbid, they're not with the Lord and they never will be. So I'll leave to him how that's all going to work out. We just know that's a real possibility, especially for me, because that's the only person I can really be sure about. Um, but I was talking to a good friend of mine, he's a Protestant pastor, and uh, his best friend was his father. And uh, when he passed away, it was just devastating for him. So we're having lunch one day, I said, do you mind if I ever ask, or if I ask, if you ever talk to him? And he looked at me and says, that would never enter my mind. I said, really? It's funny, you almost think that humanly that would just rise up from somebody's heart and mind, you know, they're just even apart from the bond in Christ, the communion in Christ. But I think there's such a strong um, orientation in, in so many people who've been formed a particular way to think, I can't do that, that's, that's talking to the dead, that's forbidden, right. we can't go there. Right. So I just shared with them, I didn't name Catherine or Therese or some others, I just shared with them some of the wisdom of the saints, you know, that that I've heard through my life as a priest and before. And, and as I'm sharing all this, and I shared my experiences of people that I've loved who've died and how I try to talk to them, and he's looking at me, just starts crying. And we get down, he says, I would love to be able to do that. So I saw him, this was probably five, six years ago. I saw him not too long ago, we were having dinner. I said, 
can I go back to that conversation we had? You ever, you ever talk to your dad now? He says, I talk to my dad every day. Wow. I said, no kidding. <laughs> he says, yeah. I said, what's it like? He goes, it's so rich. Just to know that the relationship that we have, I mean, nothing's ever lost with God. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, God's trying to bring everything back together. Yeah, he's the God of the living, not of the dead. Absolutely. Yeah, and he, he, he promises, you know, even if you die, you'll still live, you know? You know, it's, it's a tremendous promise of tremendous hope. So for us, I mean, you know, one of the things that, uh, that's so important, I think, practically to stress is the best thing I can do for my loved ones who've died is to pray for them. Because um, a lot of us just aren't really ready for the full, the full dose of, of unveiled God. You know, there needs to be purification that happens. Absolutely. So it's a noble thing to pray for the dead. Yeah. You know, we see that in the scriptures. Um, we certainly see it in the lives of the saints as they testify to this. We see it in the tradition of the early church where they, they prayed, you know, for the dead. And, you know. Yeah, you walk through the catacombs and you see what was going on there. You see how the early church lived archaeologically. You know what they did in yeah. the first few centuries. Yeah. Huh? This, was a, this was a normal part of their life. Uh, the beautiful story of Augustine's mom, Monica, when she's passing away, and she makes a point to stress to Augustine, you just make sure that when I die, you offer Mass for me. And at the end of the Confessions, Augustine invites everybody who reads the Confessions to uh, remember Monica, you know? Exactly. So, so we, we have to be careful. We, don't, we avoid the, uh, the extreme of going, oh, you know, Ralph was such a great guy. I am sure he is just, you know, he's sitting back... Um, I don't know, having a mug of his favorite drink now in heaven. I know. I, it's just so great. I mean, I, please, God, when you die, that's what's going to be happening. But I'm going to be praying for you until the Lord makes yeah. it otherwise clear. Yeah. So we want to do that for each other. And, and that's, not, that's not morbid. That's a way in which we express our grief. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know I, 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 that, that same passage has always struck me too, Father John, about grieve, but not like the pagans who have no hope. I mean, there's the human reality of, of being torn apart from somebody that you love and that you've formed your life around in some ways as friends or siblings or spouses or whatever. And there's just a, it's, it's good humanly to acknowledge that, that I've just lost something that's really important for me, but it's tempered by the fact that, hey, this person is, is now hopefully with the Lord because they died as a Christian and that there's going to be a reunion. And right now there is a communion. That's right. Yeah. I think Jesus is teaching us that, right? <clears throat> so one of the, the real strong teachings in the Second Vatican Council is that the Lord not only reveals to us who God is, he reveals to us who we are. So he's, he's teaching me how to be authentically human. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things he teaches me in the scriptures is how to grieve. He grieves at Lazarus' death. Um, he grieves over the rejection of Jerusalem. That's right. He, 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 on both those occasions, he's weeping. Which is really something, isn't it? Yeah, and if I'm, you might know better than me, but if I'm not mistaken, the Greek word there is, it's, it's like copious tears. It's not, you know, wiping away a little tear. It's yeah. bawling. Yeah, he's, he, and he's groaning he, at, the, at the, 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 the profound sadness and sorrow of what sin and death have brought into the world and what the rejection of God has brought into the world and the misery that human beings are bringing upon themselves and that has come through the the wickedness of the devil and the collaboration of, of human sin, he, all those things profoundly affect them as a man. And unlike you and me, as we're grieving watching the, a loved one pass and slip from here to the next life and to judgment, we're powerless. I mean, it's one of the most 
It's one of the most awkward moments as a priest is being there at the great or at the bedside of somebody who's dying. Like, I, I can't stop this. I can anoint you. I can pray with you. I can hear your confession. I can't stop this. You're, you're going. This is above my pay grade. Yeah, I mean, I, I got no control here. But, but Jesus is not powerless here. Jesus did not only can do something, did do yeah. something about this. Yeah. Took death on his shoulders, destroyed it. Right. Um, that's the beauty. And, and, he, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. Not that that was what was going to happen for every dying person here on earth, but as a sign of the resurrection that's being promised to everybody who dies in the Lord. And that's the hope, right? So, I mean, yeah. that's how I grieve. So, as you say, I mean, it is a human reality that when it has to be the case and, and that someone who I love greatly, someone who's impacted my life, when they are no longer here, the right human response is to miss them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just at a funeral recently of, of somebody who, who wasn't a Christian, and it was unclear what, what was believed by the congregation, but what the, what the sermon said at, at the funeral was, well, this person lives on in our memories. And that was about all that they seemed to be able to say, you know? And it was just kind of sad that, that the, the full revelation of the risen Christ, you know, wasn't able to break through the, the fuzziness or the murkiness or the shadowiness of, of, of the whole situation. And right. it was just like, I just felt like, I want to tell you about the risen Lord Jesus. You know, I want to tell you about what he's done to overcome death. I want to tell you what happens to the souls that die. And, you know. Yeah, that's grieving with no hope. Yeah, yeah. Whoever it is was a wonderful man or woman. And we've got some great pictures and some good pictures in our minds. But I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm never going to see you again. You're dust. Yeah. Well, Father John, we're going to take one more short break. And then when we come back, I'm going to tell people how they can get a booklet. And then I'm going to ask you to just preach from your heart or teach from your heart or exhort from your heart or admonish from your heart, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do before we close the program. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Good. Over the years, we begin to realize how quickly life goes by. For some of us, our journey will end without notice. And when our transition into eternity begins, there won't be a chance for any do-overs. No time to rewind our life. No chance to choose a different ending. For the movie of our life can be used to judge us. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times. And joyfully revisit the good. It is then we will fully realize how our unkind thoughts and selfish choices wounded others and led us away from God, our loving Father. You people are lazy. <laughs> and each time we ignored God's voice, I think she's pregnant by somebody else. Our conscience grew more deaf and our heart hardened. Thankfully, you still can ask God to help edit your life story and create the ideal ending. No matter what you've done, there is good news. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus can heal your memories and forgive your past if you accept his mercy. You really can be freed from the addiction of sin and find lasting peace. Imagine hearing God say after your life's movie, well done good and faithful servant. It all starts by asking Jesus to help you now 
If you've been waiting for a sign, this is your chance to begin an adventure with God that will last forever. Learn more at catholicscomehome.org. Trust in Jesus and find hope, forgiveness, and a more abundant and everlasting life. Visit catholicscomehome.org. You know, whoever came up with that video spot we just saw really had some insight, you know, really, really helps people to review where our life is going, what our life is all about. And of course, that's what we've been talking about. One of the things I've been thinking about, Father John, is that this is a really important truth for us to know, but it's also really important for us to tell other people. And uh, Peter Herbeck, you know, another one of our friends, has written a booklet called What's Our Message? Hmm. And we'd like to tell people now how they can get it at no cost, just for the asking, so that they can kind of learn how to share with other people the, the tremendous hope that's ours in, in Jesus Christ and how we can all grieve without despair, uh, with hope, if we really know the Lord. And then, Father John, when we come back, uh, talk to us before the program ends and whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Sure. At the heart of the new evangelization is the proclamation of the gospel, which St. Paul describes as the power of God for salvation. Brothers and sisters, it's the good news about the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Recent popes have reminded us that all believers, by virtue of their baptism, have been personally commissioned and sent by Jesus to tell others about him. In my new booklet, The New Evangelization, What's Our Message? I outline the essential elements of the gospel in a clear and concise way that makes the message accessible to you and can help you convey it to others. To receive your free copy of What's Our Message, visit our website at renewalministries.net or call 1-800-282-4789. Join us in sharing this good news. God bless you. Well, uh, that's a very inspiring video, isn't it? I mean, whoever put that together really, uh, really had an insight into something that could help people. Well, I'd like you to be able to hear more from Father John, and he has a website. It's OLGC parish.net and he has a regular radio program and homilies and they're all posted there and they're very very inspiring and I think he's one of the best teachers of the Catholic faith in the world today and I hope you can access his website and take advantage of that. Father John we only have a short time left how about just talking to folks about what's on your heart? Yeah you know why don't we just conclude with John, John 11 you know with this great scene in the gospel when when Lazarus has passed away and, and Jesus shows up but Jesus shows up at least so it seems a few days too late, and he's greeted by Martha, and Martha looks at him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Which many people would read as a great expression of faith, and I'm sure it is. I also read it as a, as a real stinging indictment, and, and who can't relate to this who's lost a loved one? Because the implication is, Lord, you weren't here. Or at least you didn't seem to be here, and my brother's gone, and now you're here, but it's too late. How many of us right now who are sitting here watching this are thinking something similar as we, we think about a loved one who's, who's gone in the last couple of days or the last couple of months or however long it's been, and we're wondering, Lord, where were you? And so the Lord looks at Martha and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then here's the question. I think this is what the Lord wants to say to all of us right now. Do you believe this? And perhaps immediately afterwards he might ask, and if you do, can anybody tell? So Ralph mentioned Peter's great little book here on what's our message and, and how important it is for us to be heralds of the gospel, heralds of the new evangelization. And one of the strongest ways that we can show forth our faith is how we deal with grief. 
Are we like the pagans who grieve with no hope? Or are we men and women who in the midst of our great tears, in the midst of all of our sadness, in the midst of our loss, yet are able to grieve with great hope and to bear testimony and witness to our friends who are often trying to support us because we know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Hey, thanks very much, Father John. Really appreciate that. Next week, same time, same place, the choices we face.